This podcast is an examination of the historical research of William Branham and his message cult following. William Branham was a minister in the gambling town of Jeffersonville, Indiana, just across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, as early as 1933. He came in contact with the Reverend Roy E. Davis, an official spokesperson for the 1915 Ku Klux Klan, and later Imperial Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. Davis introduced Branham to the Pentecostal faith and the art of faith healing, which would later be introduced into Branham's stage persona as he took his place among the evangelists in the post-World War II healing revival. Branham is credited by some as being a catalyst for the Latter Rain Movement and Jim Jones of People's Temple. This podcast is not sympathetic to the views of the Ku Klux Klan that William Branham held, but it is disturbing and warrants research. This podcast is an examination of that research. You can find more about this research and other topics on the website william-branham.org. Join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of William Branham and his message. Hello, my name is John Collins, and I'm grandson to Willard Collins, who is the current pastor of the Branham Tabernacle in Jeffersonville, Indiana. Many of you may be familiar with this name, but it is a rising denomination of faith around the world based on the teachings of a man by the name of William Marion Branham. My grandfather is one of the men who walked with William Branham, and he knew him personally. Hello to all the countries around the world. I hope that your journey so far has been a good one, and I hope that it gets better each day as you continue on to Christ. People from several cities and countries around the world have asked me to come and speak to their churches. And as you'll see in this testimony, I'm not that much of a speaker. In fact, I'm not really a person who even enjoys what I've been forced to do. This is not the dream that men and women long for making people they know angry just because of standing for the truth. So I wanted to speak on just one simple subject. What would you do? From birth I was taught to believe that a man that I never knew was a vindicated prophet. I was told stories from family members who were blessed enough to walk with this vindicated prophet. Their stories of the blessings this prophet gave them touched my heart, as many of you who still follow this religion. Good, Bible-believing Christians. They told their stories of conversions to Christ in several churches that I grew up with around the country, coast to coast. My family moved to the heart of this religion when I was about 20 years old. Jeffersonville, Indiana. Many of you that have read my book, Seek the Truth, know about my battle with depression. And I just knew that when we moved to what some people call New Jerusalem, I knew this battle would be ended. I never will forget the words of one man when we came here. He looked at me and he says, If you're looking for spiritual bliss, don't come to Jeffersonville. And this just really confused me. But over time, I started to realize that this man is exactly right. I looked around me, and there were those who stood by my grandfather. 
There were those who stood by William Branham's son, Joseph Branham, calling him a prophet. There were those that told me that William Branham was Jesus Christ himself walking among us. One poor fellow told me that he watched William Branham preach in Shreveport, Louisiana, and his description was that he saw God standing on the platform. He teaches now that we're in the new millennium. Jesus Christ has came and gone. For about 15 years, I watched things worsen. I watched as one brother was shunned because he disagreed with another. Family members of the congregation shunned for one reason or another. One church not fellowshipping with another church ten miles away. Was this the fruits of God? Looking back, I realize now that God had a hand in my life. I went through many hardships, many things that I don't even understand. But each trial had a purpose. And that purpose was to humble my pride. Honestly, I never knew that pride was even a sin. I had been taught that certain clothes were a sin. I had been taught that certain music was a sin. Many things on the outside were considered sinful. But I was taught that these things that showed on the outside were showing others what was on the inside. I was taught that these things on the outside were elementary things, and that in order for us to become greater in the Spirit of Christ, we had to do these things. Yet, at the same time, I looked around the church and realized that what was showing on the outside had very little to do with what was on the inside. I watched as holiness-dressed people were divided. How could this be? The more that God pushed me, the more I started digging deeper and deeper into what I believed. Why did I believe it? Because my family did? For me, there were two underlying foundations to my religion, both of which were laid by William Marion Branham. First, he was a vindicated prophet. I've heard this phrase over and over. Many churches have heard this phrase. In fact, one of the songs that I sang had this phrase in it. This was something that I proudly told others in other denominations of faith. Second, I was taught that he was a messenger and he was preparing the way for Christ's return. I was told that this essentially was the message. I was told that William Branham was given by God the revelation of the church ages and their time periods and the angels, as he called them, for each age. And I was told that seven angels came down from the heavens to give him this revelation of the seven seals. In fact, I had a photograph of the circle that these angels supposedly made in my wallet. I showed it to others. I had a photograph of a picture that supposedly was a halo above William Branham's head. And we were told that that halo was an angel of God. So, I started thinking about these two main points of my religion. Honestly, I was afraid to question them. I'm learning now that many, many others have been programmed to be afraid to question them. For some like myself, God has to push you into the journey.
Otherwise, you'll never take the first step. I had purchased a copy of every recorded sermon by William Marion Branham. It was a searchable index where I could get on the computer and I could search these things. And so I decided I would start studying every single thing that William Branham said about his prophecies. And what I found absolutely shocked me. I had been told from birth that not a single prophecy failed. Honestly, that's true if you look at the tapes in the later years. But, if you look from the very beginning, not a single one happened. In fact, I don't remember many of the statements that William Branham made about these prophecies in the beginning, because preachers don't preach it. I never knew that William Branham prophesied that Mussolini, Stalin, or Hitler would rise into power and face a terrible end. I'd heard this prophecy was that Mussolini himself would die, and he would face a terrible end. So I asked myself, if it's one of the three, how did he not know that Mussolini could not have risen to power because he would die? It, it just didn't make sense to me. Wouldn't the prophecy have been one of two men rising into power? I knew that he prophesied that a woman would be president. And honestly, I never knew that William Branham said that this prophecy was fulfilled with President Kennedy. The funny part, President Kennedy is not even a woman. Why? Because the vision changed over time. It changed from a woman to a woman who would be president or vice president to a woman who would be president or vice president or the Catholic Church and President Kennedy was, Kennedy was Catholic. Every vision that I looked into shocked me more and more. How many people knew this? And again, I asked you the question, what would you do? Then came the biggest shock of all. I listened as William Branham broke into prophecy condemning Los Angeles to fall beneath the ocean. And this phrase that I've heard over and over and was programmed into my mind, Capernaum, Capernaum, he says, as Capernaum is in the bottom of the sea, so will Los Angeles be. This supposedly came from an angel of the Lord speaking to him. And I thank God for pushing me so that I watch television, even though the prophet told me not to, even though my parents oftentimes didn't watch it. I've learned that National Geographics is one of the greatest apologetics to the Branham movement. Capernaum, or Capernaum as William Branham called it, has never been at the bottom of the sea. In fact, there's enough archaeological evidence to prove that as the city crumbles, it was built on top of each other for centuries and centuries of time and has never been under the ocean. Now, I realize why William Branham taught against watching television. So, I asked myself, could the angel of the Lord lie? What would you do? In my mind, I was so deeply programmed that honestly, I didn't care. 
Even this was not enough to drive me away from it. I was so programmed that I could never leave this religion that my family claimed to be the most divine revelation from God. It was not enough to make me to make me leave it, to be honest. So I started asking myself, what about the message? If William Branham was here to foretell the second coming of Christ, then I don't want to miss it. I began to read every single thing that I could about the church age messengers that William Branham described. I compared their teachings to what William Branham taught. I studied what these men stood for. I studied what these men stood against. And this time it was not just National Geographic that opened my eyes. It was the writings of these great men. Irenaeus, as William Branham called him, he condemned the very thing that William Branham stood for. Irenaeus spoke against these Christians who must know a secret mystery to be saved. These people were called Gnostics, and they believed that something besides just the faith in Jesus Christ, as Paul taught, something else had to be there in addition so that they could separate themselves, sever themselves from the body of Christ. These Gnostics, Irenaeus devoted his life toward stopping. But then came the biggest shock of all of this. Not only did William Branham copy these church ages from a book he read by Clarence Larkin entitled Dispensational Truth, he decided that he would add messengers to each of the seven church ages. And when he copied these names and these dates, one of the messengers that he added was not even alive during his church age, Columba. From there, it was all downhill. William Branham was in Houston, Texas when the spiritual cloud appeared. His story about the spiritual cloud grew and grew over time. Eventually, he combined three spiritual events into one event. It changed from a mist coming up out of the ground to five angels came down from heaven and then seven angels because it was seven church ages, there must be seven. His photograph of the halo that he claimed was the angel of God above his head. He claimed that it was sent to Washington, D.C., and it was. Quite frankly, this is the only part of that story that is true. The entire rest of it is not. It was sent to Washington, D.C., but why? To be copyrighted so that he had exclusive rights to sell it. George J. Lacey, part of Branham's story, was never head of the FBI, though William Branham claimed that George Lacey was the FBI investigating him. The lights did strike the lens, as Lacey claimed whenever he was paid by the Branham campaign to assess this photograph, but in Lacey's assessment there's nothing about the supernatural involved. In fact, his statement is accurate. The light did strike the lens. There's overhead lighting in the Houston Coliseum. Later photographs inside that same building, inside that same place where William Branham stood, there's clearly overhead lighting shown at the same angle, at the same height above their heads. 
And so new men have halos, similar to William Branham's. So one might ask themselves, are these new men prophets? So I ask, what would you do? If you knew that between two and four million people around the world were tricked by an evangelist and his two sons, what would you do? Suddenly the song started going through my head. The rocks shall not cry out in my place. I knew what I had to do. I knew that I would make everyone that I knew mad at me, from coast to coast. I knew that I would lose friends and family members. I knew that I would be shunned, just like the Amish. But who else would do it? There had to be others that knew about this. And I wondered greatly. I was sitting there thinking, who else knew about this? This is something that people devote their lives to. Why did nobody else step up for God? If this religion is based on God, shouldn't people be stepping up when they find out the truth? Was I the only one that was willing to take a stand? Thankfully, no. Years ago, a man by the name of Peter Dyser tried to do the same thing. Over time, his name is forgotten. People tried to cover it up. I had never heard the name Peter Dyser. Many of you have never heard the name Peter Dyser. Why was this covered up? After him, a man by the name of John Kenna. John Kenna led several people out and to Christ, but his name's covered up. I had never heard the name John Kenna. Have you? After Kenna, Nathan Rivera. In the message for years, notice the same discrepancies. I've never heard the name Nathan Rivera. Have you? Now we have the Bergens from Believe the Sign stepping up, standing for the truth. We have Joshua Keith, standing for the truth. James Manuel, others, standing for the truth. The scripture is always accurate, and God always keeps his word. The rocks did not cry out. So I'm going to leave you with this question. What will you do? Will you serve God? Or will you serve man? What will you do?